Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Thanks for joining us. And with us this morning, our first guest is Erin Offord. She is the Chief Programs and Systems Officer of BigThought.org. Did I say your name properly, Erin Offord or Erin Offord? You said it correctly, Aaron Offord. Very nice. Aaron. how are you Perfect. doing this morning? Good, doing real good. Well, Having I think, oh, yeah, me too. I think it's, it's, it's about time a lot of people heard more, or if they haven't heard anything at all, they need to hear some greatness about BigThought.org. I have been so impressed with Big Thought for a couple of years now, and I think it's, a, it's, a, it's time to share what you guys do with so many people. Can you give us a quick rundown? about what Big Thought is and what they do. Sure. Big Thought is a 30-plus year old now. It's, it's about 35 years. Uh, Dallas-based nonprofit mm-hmm. that has really been around uh, for, for a lot of decades focusing on education, youth and families, and creativity. And, and the creativity we know exists in a lot of our kids but sometimes without opportunity or sometimes without resources, it may go unnoticed and it may not connect as we want to their educational attainment or advancement. So uh, Big Thought's been around focusing on equity, resourcing, and the creative muscle for our families and kids to kind of take that next step in in their school or life choices. And so we've uh, focused in on a lot of different ways we do that throughout kids from three years old to 23. It really... Uh, is pretty wide on how we focus on uh, supporting families where they are. It's absolutely amazing. In fact, you've become a national model in arts education, out-of-school time systems, uh, summer learning and juvenile justice intervention. And you've got, like, I guess it's six community partnerships in the United States that help scale national best practices in social and emotional learning. I think that's so important. People need to know that kids are very creative, and they're very mm-hmm. emotional. And especially coming through this pandemic, there's a lot of mm-hmm. kids that just need to express themselves, and that's where Big Thought steps in, right? Totally. Um, before the pandemic, we were working with um, the generosity of the Wallace Foundation. They're a national funder, and they've been funding kind of innovative projects throughout the country, cities that focus in those areas. And Dallas uh, was one, and we had been working in that for years. I think Denver was another city. Uh, I think maybe Jacksonville. So they kind of scanned uh, the environment in the country and mm-hmm. saw some innovative things that were happening. And so Dallas peaked up uh, because of its outstanding, you know, school district system, the city. And then Big Thought was deemed as a nonprofit to help bridge some of those gaps and focus on an SDL initiative. And um, SEL is the social emotional learning. Mm-hmm. And that's been a real interesting space because partly it's, it's just the EQ, it's the emotional intelligence that someone has. And, and uh, we had a lot of conversations with people about self-awareness, self-confidence. Mm-hmm. It's those soft skills that a lot of people talk about, which not everybody has. And so uh, adults don't have all those skills sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so we started looking at building a model with DISD about building that that social-emotional learning. And then the pandemic happened. And that really just took things to a whole other level, especially about social-emotional learning. Um, When kids were not able to go physically in school every day. Uh, Ah, yeah, the virtual learning. Yeah, the virtual learning. Yeah, and things, circle times, 
and some of those practices that you were so used to doing, especially for school age kids, turned into this virtual space. And I'd say it might have been in like the pandemic was March of 2020. It mm-hmm. might have been before like May. We did a little survey with families. And we wanted to know how they were feeling. What are some concerns moving forward? And the top one that came up for families and students was their mental stability, mental, emotional stability. Yes. People were stressed. People were feeling anxiety. And so we started taking what we knew were good practices, you know, in our face-to-face, and we just turned them into virtual programs where still people can plug in. We still did breathing exercises. We still were able to do some creative experiences on the, the Zoom. Parents were very interested. And we realized that just having that connectivity, whether face-to-face or virtually, was important. And it just reaffirmed the value we knew in social emotional learning. And we, we're keeping it going in practice because we're now, we can't get away from the virtualness. And now we're kind of coming back in schools, but it allowed us to just ask families how they were feeling. And we heard a lot and people were really stressed and still are to some degree. And so we wanted to just be a beacon for them to figure out what do you do with these emotions? How do you work through that and still accomplish what you need to do? And so it's, it's taught us a lot. You know, that is so next level and it's so important, especially nowadays. Again, we're in a new normal. I mean, things will never be the same again. But on the positive side, you figure out different ways that work, different ways of of getting inspiration out of kids who can grow up to be stable adults who are productive in our communities. And that's right. I I think it's so important, the things that you do. And you found that some of the things that you did before, like you said, face to face, were just as effective virtually. So when when kids interact with the people who work with Big Thought. How do you guys find the kids? How do the parents, you know, find Big Thought? Sure. We, um, we have a good, long-standing relationship with a lot of um, regional school districts. Mm-hmm. So DISD, uh, Dallas ISD, we are working with Fort Worth a little bit as well, and Garland ISD. So we have some of the working relationships to know what we do. We do after-school programming mm-hmm. in a lot of these districts. So we have been a, a faith and a, and a long-standing partner. And so the, the network of what we've been able to have it's hundreds, it's thousands of families through the years. I mean, the, the program model is about 15 years old. So our after-school place allows us to have a very large network. And so um, people know us. Word of mouth yeah. carries as well. And mm-hmm. so parents talk to one another. Um, we have uh, currently about 12 after-school sites that we're working with, primarily in Dallas but we're about to start two schools in Garland ISD. And so we have a a consistent way of engaging our students and engaging our parents. And so when we're like in it right now, Chris, to be honest, we're looking at coming back around a little face-to-face, coming Mm -hmm. back into schools, Uh, especially for the older kids. We're seeing that the, the teenagers are uh, still needing engagement. They're a little older, so they can make decisions a little bit on their own, but they're still interested in after-school clubs. They're still interested in art programs that they can do on the weekend. And so we're, we're stretching our wings to spread the word, uh, get the word out to, to our social media outlets, but we kind of do some ground games. We hit the streets, we go to, build, you know, go to the churches, sure. we go to the schools. And we spread the word and and we listen. We do a lot of listening to what kids are interested in. And so we've been landing in like, let's just have an after school program where kids can be available. And so we've done that. Now we're thinking, let's have some creative programs virtually for kids older who can still plug into Zoom. We could still do some great work that way. And then, yes, let's get out there and do some community based work with some of our older kids. So they also have an outlet to uh, do art. Some of them are trying to get their grades back. So we have some mentoring programs. We also are offering an adult mentor to work with them. We also are looking at um, some preventive programming for kids who have been adjudicated or mm-hmm. who are in the alternative ed system. Let's, let's plug into those spaces so those kids have extra help to deal with some of the anxiety and the stress, but to also um, have that adult in their life who can keep, keep guiding on keeping the grades, catching up on work. And so we do a lot of word of mouth. We have a, a great website. And 
places like this. Um, check out our website because we have opportunities. That's how I found out. Really, yeah, it's an educator who it wants so to make good. a difference mm-hmm. or just someone who wants to volunteer. That's what we're looking for, those adults who just want to make a positive impact. Um, and we're starting to be regionally. So Dallas has been our home, but we are looking at other regions in Tarrant County. So if, if there's even partners who hear about this and like, oh, my God, I need this in my community, don't hesitate to reach out because we're, we're really interested in making that difference for the kids that we know need it. And that's everywhere. It's everywhere. And you mentioned the, the focus is with a lot of different groups of kids, but it's a lot of, a lot of marginalized communities that you work with in yeah. particular. Can yeah. you give us some examples yeah. of how you've, you've reached out to kids? Let's, let's break it down into different yeah. groups. The, the kids who yeah. are not even in um, kindergarten yet, you, you say from ages yeah. 3 to 23, yeah. uh, pre-K yeah. kids. Uh, can you talk about yeah. the things that you help with the parents with those kids? Yes, uh, we have actually seen the biggest increase in our pre-K needs for support in school and after school. A lot of families are wanting help in preparing their three-year-old so that by kindergarten, they're well-equipped to start school and and be ready to to go. Um, So we actually have seen the the biggest uptick in our pre-K numbers. Mm -hmm. The the ideas on on those uh, particular examples is some of the actual curriculum and coming in with a curriculum that it doesn't matter where the kid comes from, they're going to get a great uh, content delivery. They're going to learn how to read or understand the concepts of of color. They're going to understand uh, even feelings and emotions and begin to uh, have a regimen and a schedule and some consistency that allows that three-year-old to advance on to the next stages. And that has been the biggest need of parents. What we saw during COVID, Chris, is parents, essential workers, to keep their job had to go back to work. <laughs> right. And if they were at a hotel or if they were at the rest, you know, the mm-hmm. Waffle House or the restaurant or the, or the place down the street where businesses were starting to come back up, they had to, to maintain employment. Not all options were to work from home. So that's when we started offering out-of-school time and after-school help, and the primary kid group was pre-K, meaning parents were finding out ways to help their older kids Mm-hmm. It was the pre-K kid that either was being left with a cousin or the parent couldn't take a job because they didn't have options for their pre-K youth. So we really started digging in on providing those spaces, providing creative uh, instruction and activity, um, having reading and, and literacy is very important, um, and then having that time of structure just so there's a, a time to eat and have circle time with their kids and mm-hmm. their friends. That was all important spaces, but it also helped them not slide back and get ready for the four-year-old and ultimately get ready for kindergarten. And so we, we definitely value those particular experiences. Then we work with the schools to figure out what are those school-age kids needing. And what we're hearing is they need academic help. It has, you know, yes. we talk about educational slides summer slide. Well, now we're in a COVID slide Mm -hmm. and it's multiple years of lack of learning and it's not nobody's fault. Everybody's trying, but just virtual learning is different than face to face. Let's just, let's just break that down because Aaron, I think you've just, you just hit a a nerve that I think so many parents and students can relate to literally when the pandemic hit, it's like, okay, we'll just do virtual learning. I thought Mm -hmm. it was just tremendously amazing that teachers were able to reach some of these kids and keep them focused. I'm like, I don't know how they're doing this. Some of the kids, of course, they're distracted because they're at home. You know, it's not like they're working at home as a job. They're distracted just by not being in the school environment. So you guys have been filling in the gap with the disconnect, right? I totally agree, Chris. And what we realized, too, is we have to be flexible because some kids thrive in virtual learning. Like, they love the ability to focus in and and work independently a little bit more. Some, though, I have a 15-year-old, he loves social connectivity, and Mm -hmm. so he was really struggling in virtual space. He missed the friendship. He missed some of his social connections. And so the understanding that each kid learns differently, for one, that was really clear for us. What we also took into space is let's just help break down the barriers, though. Some 
families didn't have a household which allowed a private corner to work from. You know, uh, yeah. parents running in and out. They didn't have digital equipment. They didn't have uh, consistent broadband. Or so Wi-Fi. Yeah. Wi-Fi was a big, and everybody's capabilities are different. And, you know, even though you may have Wi-Fi, it might not be good. It might not be the, the slow. Exactly. Certain communities in Dallas, it is a Wi-Fi desert. They do not have a functional broadband network. You know, they're in the desert communities, which is a food desert, by the way. It's a mm-hmm. housing desert, and it's also a digital desert. And so we know they're targeted zones in, in every community, not just Dallas, that you had to just make sure the barriers were broken down. And, and that's a little bit of where we also we uh, lent out computers if needed. A lot of corporate partners uh, donated units. And we were able to give those to families. Good. And so we became a bridge builder for that learning, which we value, but it was different. And so uh, having face-to-face back alongside some of the virtual, um, it's better. But it's still you know, taking strides because there's still learning loss that happened along the way. Now, you mentioned that you know uh, this is just the reality. A lot of kids fell behind in their grades or fell behind in their work. And again, the teachers can only do so much, especially since maybe a lot of them weren't used to uh, educating kids virtually themselves. They're used to kids being in the classroom. So Mm -hmm. can you talk about some of the steps that you guys are able to do and still are doing to help them catch up on their grades? Yes. And I, like you, commend the teachers. Yes. Um, Oh, my goodness. They often went above and beyond a school day. Mm -hmm. Um, they were on calls, you know, after hours and, and making sure kids were getting what they needed. And and they never missed a beat. I mean, uh, it, uh, Just as, amazing. as we talked to our systems, too, all of our educators uh, jumped in and had to take care of their own kids, let yeah. alone the, the school kids. And so we must commend our educating uh, teams. And, and then we put value in out-of-school out experiences. We acknowledge and acknowledge, we've always acknowledged, but we acknowledge even more so the value of space outside of a school to learn. And so we started to think about, uh, we have a, a systems program called Dallas City of Learning. You should visit that too. It is a space where it lines up about 400 partners and all of their experiences that can happen online or virtually. So they have these engaging you know, different types of educational programming that allows the um, African-American Museum or a, uh, a, a science museum to put up some interesting mm-hmm. curriculum and can have some fun ways to, uh, to work. But then it's also, you know, um, not as intense as a class. And we kind of coordinate that and put value in school learning outside of school, for example. We did a lot of, of, of safety-type uh, outdoor programming where we went into Fair Park, we went into West Dallas and certain communities and actually did experiences that allowed some learning to take place different than in school, but yet still learning. Sure. Um, I have to commend the public library. They opened up the downtown library and we did a virtual program where we went on each library floor. It was live. You could stream it. Wow. We had uh, musical experiences in the library. It was virtual in 2020, we had a lot of great interest. People were logged in and looking at it. Then this past summer, we actually did it in the library. We were able to physically, with safety, mm-hmm. do the same thing, go through every floor of the library. We had different educational stations. It's called a turn-up. And so families were able to come in mass and just had a great <clears throat> experience um, with the Love Field uh, Frontiers of Flight Museum. We did the same thing as well. And so we, we put a value and families started understanding learning can take place outside of school, too. Yes. And, and that's where our little bread is buttered in offering those really innovative type of programs. Doesn't compete with school, doesn't take away from school. It just adds a different layer outside of school. Yeah, I call it like some enhancement. We're talking with Erin Ofer. She's the Chief Programs and Systems Officer of BigThought.org, doing so many great things in the Dallas area and spreading all across the region. And we're talking about the different sets of kids and different types of kids and the marginalized communities that you've been helping over the the last 30 years. Like you said, it's a a Mm three-decade 
old organization and you've evolved and you've you've you just changed things around just to to stay up with the times and and being innovative because what did you just say it's about kids being able to imagine and create their best lives and if you aren't there thinking those same lines how can you reach them right that's right that is exactly it chris and as an adult um as a teacher or an educator too the role may often be, especially if you're working with older youth, it may be facilitating. It may be that you're helping the young person guide to the, what they want to do more than driving it. Uh-huh. Because these kids are savvy. Yes. They're digitally connected. Oh, they, they are tech support for all of their families. They are grandma exactly. and grandpa don't know nothing about getting on verses <laughs> and watching on Instagram live. But the kids, they are tech support. Exactly. And they've got good uh, business ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to venture out and, and own businesses yes, they uh, do. more than, than I have in my generation. And sometimes you have to facilitate that with them, not drive it, because they could teach us some things. Too. I mean, they have. They are teaching. Sure. Us. And so youth voice is very important for our program as our, our organization, giving youth a voice, giving youth a space. To, to share and to own some things is also what we do with our older age organization efforts. We hire adults who know how to offer creative ways to, to share their voice mm-hmm. and, um, and connect them to their goals, but not like driving it, but right. listening. And that's really been successful as well. We do that in a few ways. Uh, we have a fellowship initiative, which is a three-year model of, uh, Kudos to Chase. They funded it uh, with us uh, in partnership, and it walks along a 10th grader to college, and it provides them all the academic support. It provides a mentor, and it provides the things they need to access the college entry, which is not easy. And, and that came out of stats and data that were showing us that African-American men are the lowest target group attending college. Right. Not that they can't, not that they haven't had opportunities, but there's something missing on the relativity, mm-hmm. the connection of relationships to ensure they can get to college. Um, you know, getting awarded to college is great. Do you have the financial aid? Do you have the money? Do you have the wraparound services needed? And that's what we realized the system has sort of broken down for some of our young black men. And so what are those supports to make sure they get what they're needing? So we're sort of guiding those young men, mm-hmm. but having the, the way to do that in a coordinated way is, a, is where Big Talk can help because you can't just do it on their own. And so we have about 40 young men we graduated out of that initiative last year. They're 100% were accepted and are in, in college. Uh, one chose a, a work route, which is great as well. And now we're looking at building a new cohort. And so we're looking for new young men that we can bring on for that initiative. But that's just one of those examples of those young men are leading their life. We're there to kind of support it. <clears throat> it is so fantastic, the work that you're doing, and you do it in so many levels and so many degrees. Um, I understand you've got three main ways that you work. Um, mm-hmm. The direct, and I want you to break them down for us. Mm-hmm. First, the mm-hmm. direct-to-youth programs, mm-hmm. the learning systems, and mm-hmm. the Big Thought Institute. Now, I know you've touched on it already in our conversation, but let's just be specific on those three in order. Yeah, sure. Direct delivery <clears throat> is um, an area of programming we do directly, meaning we staff it, we have all the curriculum, we measure the data and the outcomes for those programs, and it is the big thought essence of our work. We do direct delivery programs in out-of-school, so our after-school programs, that's programs we directly manage, support, and deliver. We do it in our creative voices. That's the youth voice space providing creative outlets for our teenagers, providing them their next kind of life goal. We manage that work. That's, that's all elements of what Big Thought does well, mm-hmm. and we do it consistently with a target group every day, all day, pretty much. We also, though, manage learning systems, which is the space where we're kind of uh, a backbone or we're there to support the entire effort of a system to be built. And that's our Dallas City of Learning initiative. And we we do have a learning partner system, too, where we work with Dallas ISD. We build up capacity in partners to deliver what they do and do that well. 
So we actually provide the uh, research, we fundraise, we work in partnership to lift up. It's about four to 500 partners now that also do similar work that Big Thought does. They do it differently. Some have leadership programs. Some have financial literacy programs. Some have youth programs. But what we realized, and this was probably about 15 years ago, we couldn't do this work by ourselves as an organization. And people were asking us, can you help? Can you help figure this out? And so we realized our success is equal to other partners' successes as well. So we we started understanding that system-building work was needed, how to change some systems, how to provide more partners in communities of need. And so we, we work with a learning system effort, which is through partnerships, though. So we work heavily with a lot of partners who do very similar work. We do leadership programs. We help resource what their needs are because we realize, you know, the higher the tide, the, the higher the boats, all boats rise. And that's a very important part of our work. And then we, we have a, a, a very robust research and data department, and it's called the Big Thought uh, Institute. We do, uh, we're nationally uh, renowned in our data, so we mm-hmm. definitely look at data that has existed, national trends. We actually are able to do our own evaluation measures, and we're actually able to provide some great report out of what we're learning about our data. Again, from what the work we do in Big Thought, but also through our partners. So our partners have a voice. Our partners now have a profile so they can show and share their outcomes of how they're making the difference in the communities as well. And that all comes through our partner, uh, Big Thought Institute and partnership piece. And it, it's, you know, not to get too much in the weeds. No, go right ahead. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm of, you know, the black community. I grew up, I grew up, you know, I'm originally from New Orleans. Dallas, I've been here about 20 plus years, though. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm here. And there's some things about data in, in especially communities of color that we want to be mindful of. Not everybody is comfortable in sharing their information. You know, right. not everybody wants to. And, and so it's also important that we understand why we want data. Why do we want information? And, and one of the areas that I gave was that survey. You know, that's a piece of data we ask for, but we ask, we try to ask for it with empathy, not assuming you're going through some things, but the idea is if you are, share those with us, because what we want to do is make a difference for you. So the example of what I said about, uh, we did a survey and we asked families how they were feeling. We heard they were stressed. We heard they wanted helpful tools to help with their kids at home. And so we built uh, SEL learning kits when we first got that data back. Mm-hmm. And so we literally came to Big Thought offices and put some learning kits together, which had SEL components. It might have had some actual um, uh, coupons, to uh, DoorDash, to, to, to get food delivered. It had some workbooks that kids can learn and do things at home. It directed them to scheduled activities online, but it also had some care packages for the parent. It had a spa bag for mom or dad, and it was like a, a, a you know, we hear you, we see you. Mm-hmm. And so when I talk about data in specific with folks, I want communities, especially communities I come from, to know not everyone, but Big Thought you can trust in our partners are looking at that data to be better responders. And that was one of those examples. Once we heard what families were going through, we wanted to mobilize the response. And we had thousands of these kits that went out curbside. We went to schools. Parents drove in and picked them up. And they would send these wonderful pictures of the family time they were having together and just how appreciative they were. So I was just using that to connect why that's important for us to get information, not just to say to get information, but to get it for a purpose to bring back to the community. So those are the three ways and how we look at the work we really do. That is fantastic. And I love the way you, you, you talk about capturing the data for a very good cause, because again, a lot of people, they want to keep things to themselves, but sometimes if you don't share the certain things that you are going through, People don't know what you're going That's through, right. and they That's also right. may not know how smart you really are or how right. informed right. you really are. They may That's have right. a, a judgment of you based on something yeah. from afar. 
Whereas, that's right. like you that's said, right. on the ground, if we're talking to you, if we're getting information, we not only can help you, but we can also show your value. That's exactly, yes. That's, and that's an important part of, uh, of just community work mm-hmm. and being really trusted in how you build your relationships to everyone. That's, a, that's, that's the important part. Yes. You now, you guys mm-hmm. also do something with the juvenile justice intervention. Yeah. Can you talk about that piece of the bigthought.org? Because you guys do so many things so well, and I think this is also significant. Yes, this is a big, major effort, and we have some great uh, staff that are, are heading up this, uh, this work in what we call our creative solutions programming. And it is probably as old as we are. It's about 20, I think, six years. We've been working with Dallas County Juvenile Justice, and I have to give kudos to them as, as an entity. Years ago, they realized that they wanted also a different impact for kids who were caught up in the juvenile system. And so we had some um, strong um, ideas and brainstorming on what could be a model. And so we developed a creative program that has has a summer intensive attached to it that was there for kids to provide the creative um, display. We broke it up into uh, visual arts or performing. But it was a space where kids can work that was their job, to provide the art experiences. They earned stipends. They learned how to come to work on time. They had, um, you know, evaluative measures. So this was their first entry point into a job-related uh, space, but it was also a space where they could express themselves. Mm-hmm. And so for 20 years, we've been able to work with about 12, 15 outstanding creative adults and we worked with, before COVID, about 65, 70 young people. And they come from all parts of Dallas County. And we've hosted it in many different places. SMU has housed us graciously for about the past 12 years. And Chris, it's amazing, for one. Um, many of the kids are not what they think creative or artistic. But what they're able to do on their own and what they already have in them is astounding. And and when I say that the adults as a facilitator, that's what we were doing. We were just pulling stuff out of them because mm-hmm. it already was in them. But they just needed a little bit of confidence. They needed a little bit of experience working with different people. They needed a little bit of communication skill. Mm-hmm. They needed a little bit of professional, how to dress, you know, how to, how sure. to become more of an adult. How to present to yourself, how to be received. Exactly. Mm-hmm. How to be received. Um, they were mostly 14. They're all about 14 and, and up to 18. Once you're 18, you graduate out of the juvenile system. And what we saw is um, transformation in many of our young people in a, in a short window of seven weeks. They can return for multiple years. They could become a junior teacher through the years. And most of them we still work with today. And what we realized is that with the skill building, and not the judgment. Kids and them, those youth can respond accordingly. And it was a safe space. Don't get me wrong. We had fights. We had cross-county, you know, rivalries, whatever mm-hmm. the issues were. We faced them. We, we, we dealt with them. But we also uh, hit refresh and let them kids refresh their lives. And it has still been moving in a virtual space as well. So at the end of this experience, they create an original play, an original musical together. They create all the music and all the script for it. We do an actual production. And or they create an art piece, a visual art piece, an art a ceramic, mm-hmm. some sort of visual display. And they host an exhibit. And to a, a person every year, we host families that come and are opening night for the show or walk around the exhibit and the kids are there to explain their piece of the work. So they're able to own what they've done. The probation officers who are a key part of this comp come and and look at the kids' art. And so we have the lowest recidivism rate in the the state. We have a 4% recidivism rate with this particular um, program. The county, uh, the statewide system with no program intervention there's about a 65% recidivism rate. With some intervention, there's usually about a 35% recidivism rate. Youth who come through our program, there's a 4% recidivism rate. And um, it is through the respect of the youth, our training of our staff, and this transformation that happens. Because a mother or a father or someone always walks up to me and says, is that my child's art? 
<laughs> like, is that what Bobby did? And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, come on, Bobby, tell your mama what you did. And Bobby says what he did. And the mother oftentimes with tears in her eyes will turn and say, I did not know my child had that in him. And, and I know that's a life transforming space too, because now that mother may look at Bobby different and that's all you sort of want. Sure. <laughs> and so that's the program that we are expanding. Uh, we're working with Tarrant County now, and we want to work with other counties because it's in response to, and I think Vincent might've mentioned this before. It's a response to the question from a young person who was in the juvenile system to us when we were doing evaluations to our youth. He said, how come I had to get in trouble to have an opportunity for a life-changing experience? Wow. And I took that as shame on us. You're Mm -hmm. right. Why did you have to get in trouble? This should be something we offer to many youth who are in similar scenarios. They just need a little help. And so that is really one of our anchor programs that um, has really moved mountains for many through the years. I appreciate you asking about it as well. Oh, yes. You you guys have so many different things that you're doing, and they're so well thought of. That's why it's bigthought.org. But it's it's so well thought of, and it's also Mm -hmm. proven because it's not like you just came up with these things in the last calendar year. You've been around for three decades. Can you talk to anyone any of these, mm-hmm. I mean, you never know who's listening, any kind of yeah. major group or sure. corporation that wanted to partner with BigThought.org, sure. how could they get in touch with you? I mean, the website speaks for itself, but I'm sure there's people who would love to partner with you. Yeah, no, definitely. On the website, I think I still have like a page. My name should be on there under leadership. I get emails directly through that. Mm-hmm. So anyone can reach my name, Aaron Offered, on the website, click my face, and just ding me an email. And, and what we're trying to do a little bit, Chris, as we look to the future, is uh, what it, you know, we add, you're right, it's a big thought, so we kind of, you know, we do strategize and think a lot, and the the latest thinking has been around what's next for these young people in this 16-year-old, you know, older age group, and what we're realizing is pathways and real life experience is the next real step for some of our young people. Uh, They have interests, they have goals. But unless you're like really affluent, you have connections with parents or families, you're able to land that great internship. You know, you're able to get that step that gets you to college and yeah. your professional the career. The who you know, the who you know. It's all exactly in Dallas for sure, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's based a lot on that, which is great. It's a business city, and and we're mindful of that. I think it's also we don't want to patronize those experiences. We want real experiences for our young people who who just often need those opportunities. So we are looking at uh, corporate. Uh, institutional, all levels of professional workplaces to work with us to see about maybe there is a way to provide those real experiences. And what we're saying is, even to the corporate world, Chris, Mm -hmm. that SEL piece is important. And so SEL is not just a soft skill for a young person, but even the corporation who wants to prepare their, their soft skills for receiving these young interns. Because it, you you have to be able to work with them diligently, too. Mm-hmm. So we're really interested in making some matches with corporate or professional organizations who really want to make an impact in providing that professional experience, apprenticeship, internships from different uh, genres. We've had a, a good conversation, obviously, on financial and business institutions. Uh, I talked with Live Nation, who really wanted to provide a music trajectory for those who really want to make music and live in a music space. What does a pathway look like for that? So we're really interested in what are those corporations who want to support a young person or group of people to provide radio, media, sports media, um, education. It's limitless, really. And we think we have SEL built out. So we're focusing on SEL, you know, skills that hopefully are are going to be advantageous. We're looking for those hard skills. (laughs) We're looking for the real skills of how you get the experience in the industry you're interested to. And And balancing both of those for these young people. Yes. And this is exactly how you affect change. This is how you do it in the positive way. And this is long lasting change. I love what you're all about. Again, for those who don't know, we're visiting with 
Erin Offert. She's the Chief Programs and Systems Officer with BigThought.org. We're at Big Thought. They empower youth to build their creative muscle, develop social and emotional skills and well-being, and create their authentic voice as well as working with all kinds of parents and corporations and schools and educators Mm -hmm. with moving the process along. Erin, we've got to have you on again real soon. Please do. This was great. I just appreciate the opportunity and um, continue making difference in your communities, too. But anyone interested, definitely reach out. I'd love to chat with anyone more. Again, we highly advise anyone who's listening right now to just go to BigThought.org and you can reach out to Aaron. Uh, Parents, if they got kids that want, need your helping hand, can they do the same thing? Just reach out to uh, BigThought.org? They can connect dots on what's available in their communities as well. Aaron, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again real soon. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And joining us right now is a very good friend and a very outstanding person here in the community. We're talking to the executive director of the Oak Cliff Chamber of Commerce, Keandra Gully. How are you doing, Keandra? I'm doing well. How are you today, Chris? I am doing just fine. We're already into November, and that means the holidays are upon us. In fact, I notice a lot of people are actually kind of skipping over Thanksgiving and getting their their Christmas lights up and getting all those different things, getting together for Black Friday, getting their they're trying to get their shopping on. How are things going with the Oak Cliff Chamber? Well, uh, Chris, I've noticed the exact same thing. I think I've seen more Christmas trees this this year than ever wow. at this time of the year. Mm-hmm. So. Lots and lots of beautiful trees, but things are going really well with the Oak Cliff Chamber of Commerce. Uh, in fact, we're, we're getting ready to help some of our students celebrate through uh, these trying times. Oh, good. Uh, as you know, this, this COVID thing has, has done a number on some of our students as well as some of our businesses. So we're going to help them celebrate as opposed to celebrating ourselves. Well, let's talk about some of the students because I was just talking with our previous guests about how this has been really trying for not just the students, but with the educators, because, you know, everybody's been kind of stressed out. They had to learn virtually and some of them weren't in class, but then they started going back to class and it's really been kind of tough on them mentally. Can you talk about some of the things that you guys are going to be doing with the students? And I just have to say for everybody involved, I really can't say enough about the educators trying to keep the kids focused during these trying times. It's been quite the quite the journey. That's exactly right. Well, the Oak Cliff Chamber of Commerce has a workforce development program. And unfortunately, our last two cohorts were heavily impacted by the um, pandemic. Mm-hmm. So what we do as a chamber, and we're the only ones Uh, the only chamber in the city of Dallas that has a specialized focus on workforce. So we have a boots on the ground uh, initiative in which we take those that are 125% or more below the poverty line, and we upskill those individuals, giving them a career opportunity. And that consists of so many different things to include soft skills training and then technical training and ultimately connection to employment and then then a career path. But since we were focused on the healthcare industry, mm-hmm. we were hit pretty hard because our students were no longer able to go into uh, the hospitals once the pandemic hit. Right. And so unfortunately, they were already suffering um, because of their um, economic status, and and that made matters worse. Um, and so it pushed some things uh, for them as far as timelines back. And so we are really focused on making sure that our students are able to celebrate for the holidays. So uh, it has been quite the undertaking, but we still have been able to maintain uh, the students in our program and, in fact, graduated uh, 82 students a couple of Saturdays ago from this uh, workforce training, and they are uh, well on their way to uh, cycling out of poverty. That is fantastic. So you've been able to maintain that program. Can you talk about some of the other things that you've been working on this calendar year and and things that are coming up 
uh, in the next month or so before the season ends? Absolutely. So um, just like any other business, unfortunately, we were, we as a chamber were impacted by COVID um, because we are a member organization. We depend very heavily on our, our members' uh, support, mm-hmm. uh, and we, we thrive when our members thrive. And when, when the pandemic hit, unfortunately, um, a lot of members specifically in the southern sector, did not, um, were not able to weather the storm, so to speak. So you're talking um, about certain businesses that had to close down. Yes, that's right. Um, so what we wanted to do was uh, be a support to those that, that needed a lifeline, mm-hmm. as well as highlight those that were actually able to survive the pandemic. So the first thing we did um, is we kicked off a campaign that was called My Business Survive 2020. And so we went to businesses and we wanted to make sure that they had survived. And we did a a TikTok happy dance. And it was our way of celebrating with them as well as promoting their business. And we would um, put it, you know, put it everywhere we could that they had been able to survive the pandemic. That Uh, is clever, by the way, using the social media and TikTok is so strong and people remember all the videos. That's very smart. Absolutely. Thank you very much. We were very happy to celebrate with our businesses. But those that needed a lifeline, we created a, um, a program that was called Oak Cliff Thrives. And what that is is a 15-week program. It is um, for the minority community that had been impacted by COVID. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to figure out how they had been impacted. And most of, most had been impacted financially. Uh, but we infused uh, legal and financial resources into those businesses. It's a 15-week program to help stabilize those businesses as, as well as help them get on their feet to ultimately uh, survive this pandemic. And so that has been very successful, and we're graduating businesses left and right through that program. Uh, As far as other programs, um, we have a Coffee with the President program, and it's focused on the same for the most part. It is an early morning networking event, and we'd like our leadership teams or leadership executive level um, staff members to come in, and we talk to them about, from a leadership standpoint, where their businesses may be bleeding, and we help to help them with the resources to overcome um, whatever those challenges are. And so we've just really been focused as a Chamber of Commerce on uh, nursing our businesses back to health. So we've been doing quite a bit, and mm-hmm. we're just kind of getting ready for 2020. It seems like there's a lot of growth in the area as well. I was talking to you earlier this year about not only the growth in North Oak Cliff and around the Bishop Arts area, the Bishop Arts District, but over in South Oak Cliff, you've got the Redbird and the re-imaging there. And could you talk about some of the growth? Because it seems like Oak Cliff is becoming a major destination area in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. That is exactly right. So, uh, unfortunately, the growth in the, the Redbird area has been too impacted uh, by this horrible pandemic. However, uh, they're still moving forward mm-hmm. under uh, largely the leadership of Peter Brodsky, which, of course, we all know purchased um, the the mall, uh, what was South Southwest Center Mall. Oh, yes. It's all go, gone back to Redbird Mall, right? And so they're doing a tremendous job of just revitalizing the area. Um, and every time I go over there, there's something different. Yes, the, the apartments, yeah. the hospital. <laughs> I mean, they're doing so many different things. It's just amazing. But like you said, it's been a little bit of a slower process because, I mean, it slowed down a little bit because of the pandemic, but they're fighting through all of this. Yes, they are. And so we are so proud of Peter. Uh, he's he's had to over, overcome a lot, uh, but but he has along with the community, been able to uh, lead the charge to uh, help in revitalizing the entire area. So he's had lots of support mm-hmm. from his councilman, Snell uh, Atkins, and the neighbor, neighboring council member, Casey Thomas, 
um, to, to help do that. And the city of Dallas has been fully supportive of the initiative as well. And, you know, I'd love to highlight the fact that that Starbucks in the Redbird area yes. that the community did not think would last has been there a number of years now. And so we're happy to see the, uh, that that community start to thrive again. You know what I found out? I found out that that Starbucks is the biggest selling Starbucks in Dallas. I didn't know that. I did. That I had amazing. Peter on the show a few months ago, and we were really talking about the growth and what they're doing. And like you mentioned, the obstacles they've had to overcome. And that Starbucks is like, it's just, it's one of those uh, locations that they're just so extremely proud of as a whole. That is wonderful. That is amazing to hear. And so we, we, I mentioned North Oak Cliff and the Bishop Arts District and that area. It seems like every time I'm out that way, it seems like there's tremendous, tremendous growth and it continues to grow, especially in the, the Trinity Groves area as well. That is, that's exactly right. You know, um, I started with this organization, Chris, in 2014, excuse me, 2007, mm-hmm. and took over in 2014 uh, as the president. And the Bishop Arts area looks nothing like it did in 2007 right. when I first got here. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Trinity Groves either. And, um, you know, although we, we kind of saw things slow down a bit when the, when the pandemic started, uh, both communities are now back to thriving. And first, in fact, I uh, went through uh, Bishop Arts this weekend, and it's so crowded. It's so vibrant, like, yeah. Yes, yes. It's like there was never, ever a pandemic at all. So I'm, I'm happy to see that both areas are, are doing well, as well as Jefferson Boulevard. I was just getting ready to go there. <laughs> that is another growth area in Oak Cliff. It is amazing the growth that has taken place and that will take place over in the uh, in that area. So uh, our our dear friend Jim Lake, uh, he's done a tremendous job um, with with the area, and I just I know that there's more to come. Speaking of which, um, I don't know that we've ever talked about the fact that Jim and his wife Amanda purchased the Bank of America building. Yes. Have we talked about that? No, we haven't. And I, I've been over there for a couple of functions they've asked me to host, and it was, it's was it been outstanding. So we've moved back. The chamber has moved back back over to the Bank of America Tower. Fantastic. Um, right off I-35. We, yes. And we love our new location. So everybody should come by and see us at the Bank of America Tower. We're in the basement level. Uh, it's C59, and it is a wonderful space. But Jim and Amanda have uh, purchased the building, and they're doing some amazing things that they always do uh, with the building. And so it seems that every day I come in here, there's something new that's going on over here at this building. Okay, speaking of growth, I cannot have this conversation with you, and I mentioned I-35, without talking about how they're widening I-35, and they're going to build a park, just kind of like Clyde Warren Park that connects the zoo with the western side of Oak Cliff. Could you talk about what you know on the development of that highway? And it seems like it's moving really, really fast. And I look at these canyons, and I'm like, they're deep because they're going to have a a park on top of it. Can you tell us what you know about it? Sure. Well, the the deck park that will be built just outside of the zoo, we are very excited about it in that it will it will be very similar to Clyde Warren Park. Mm-hmm. And so there will be tons and tons of amenities. Some of those things are still being worked out as they're still at the fundraising stage of this. Sure. Uh, but there once a, a, something like that goes into a community, there is just instantaneous growth Mm -hmm. and so especially as an organization that's focused on the the uh, economic growth of an area we're super excited that the deck park will be moving forward and of course we love the fact that that the roads (laughs) will be you know will be a so much better but yes. in the morning <laughs> as you know even my team is coming to work there's always uh, problems with with getting to work because of the traffic so we're looking forward to the completion of uh, both of those projects but as far as the deck park I, I believe there's still fundraising 
But as far as I know, it's still moving forward. This is what's so amazing about all this growth in the area. I mentioned this because you know, we watched the High Five get built up a Central Expressway. We watched the two bridges get built, the the Hunt Bridge. We just watched all these different bridges get built, and we're like, wow, will they ever finish them? And then when they finished them, the amazing growth that comes along with it. So I'm looking forward to what they do with I-35 and, like you said, the park that connects the, the zoo to West, West to Oak Cliff. And, and speaking of parks, mm-hmm. Keast Park. Is a phenomenal park, and it's always had. I've, I've always liked to run around the park. They've got the tennis courts over there. There's soccer fields over there. Can you talk about um, the fact that Keith Park is still an anchor to Oak Cliff? You just hit the nail on the head, uh, Chris. You know, I think that Keith Park and so many others in the southern sector are mm-hmm. hidden gems. And, you know, while we love, we absolutely love to spotlight areas like Bishop Arts and Trinity Groves and those things, there have been longstanding um, hidden gems in the Oak Cliff Cliff area. Wynwood Village. Yeah, they've been here forever. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's it's funny that you would say that, uh, as I'm sure you know, we have a new head of uh, Visit Dallas. His name is Craig Davis. Yes. And uh, he and I met a couple weeks ago, and one of the things that he and I are going to focus on together is a plan, a marketing plan that highlights the southern sector hidden gems like Keast Park. Those kinds of things that are not being talked about as they should, but mm-hmm. just those community staples that we all love. And so that's coming forward, just this major partnership with Visit Dallas and the Oak Cliff Chamber of Commerce. And we are going to spotlight all of those places that are kind of the forgotten from the rest of the world. But we all know that those of us that live in the Oak Cliff area, that we just have one of the most beautiful communities in the city of Dallas. Oh, yeah. In fact, like I said, my kids were raised going out there to Keys Park and Stevens Park and Cedar Crest. I could go on and on and on all the different beautiful areas because Oak Cliff has such you know, exotic terrain. That's what makes it different and unique and why so many people are drawn to it. And and you it also has got some great schools, too. Could you talk about some of the, the junior colleges and, and the, the different uh, higher education facilities that are in Oak Cliff? Absolutely. So we all know that uh, Dallas Community College District, they have unified. So mm-hmm. we all know about Mountain View College and Cedar Valley College, which are in the Oak Cliff area, but the entire system, um, not not that they were not um, great before, but what they've done is taken a step forward and become one system instead of functioning as individual colleges. Mm-hmm. So before they even had different curriculum for some of the, the same courses. So you could literally go to Mountain View and start a class and and not be able to complete it at another at another campus because the curriculum was different. And so what they've done to better serve the community is become one college. And so now they're called Dallas College and uh, they've unified things and it's made it a whole lot easier for uh, community members to be able to participate. And even us as a Chamber of Commerce who um, are partnered with them, especially on our workforce development program, it makes it a whole lot easier for not only us, but our students to navigate as well with it being one system. Well, before we, we go ahead. Uh-huh. And we all know about DBU and UNT, how mm-hmm. phenomenal they are and uh, their contributions to the community. Dallas Baptist has got this spectacular view of that lake. Oh, my goodness, it's just phenomenal. It is beautiful at Dallas Baptist. We try as a chamber to have at least one event mm-hmm. at Dallas Baptist just so our members who have not seen that view get get the opportunity. It's just spectacular. In. It's just spectacular. It's, well, hey, before we let you get out of here, is there anything coming up anytime soon that you want us to be aware of and uh, that people should know. Absolutely. So I, w- I couldn't wait for that question. So thank you for asking me. So we've got two very exciting things that are about to happen. The Oak Cliff Chamber of Commerce is about to release its own magazine. It's called Lifestyle Oak Cliff. And what we want to do is highlight 
the businesses, the culture, and the people in the Oak Cliff community. Because again, sometimes we are the forgotten. So we want to take matters into our own hands and we want, we want to start highlighting our very own. So that's number one. Number two, in 2022, the Oak Cliff Chamber of Commerce is releasing um, an apparel. It's going to be called Oak Cliff Apparel. And so check out our website at oakcliffchamber.org, and we'll, we'll show you uh, what that apparel is going to look like. Fantastic. Again, they can catch up with anything going on with Oak Cliff Chamber of Commerce at the website again? It's oakcliffchamber.org. All right, Keandra, it's always a pleasure visiting with you. We will talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Chris. You take care. And we'd like to thank our guests once again for joining us this morning. Keandra Gully, the Executive Director, President of the Oak Cliff Chamber of Commerce. So many wonderful things going on in Oak Cliff. That's why we like to highlight different parts of town, different organizations, different people making tremendous impacts in Dallas-Fort Worth. Oak Cliff getting it done. Also, the Chief Programs and Systems Officer of BigThought.org, Ms. Erin Oford. I can't say this enough. BigThought.org is getting things done, and we cannot tell you enough about this organization. I highly recommend you check them out. So thanks again for listening to Better Living. I'm Chris Arnold. Be sure to tune in next week as we highlight other organizations and events happening right here in DFW. So long, everybody. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.